to you. I'm going to be preaching. I'm going to give you a little bit of a, a reality. I'm going to preach from a handheld microphone. I haven't done that in a long time today. I just feel compelled to do so. That's between me and the Lord. We don't really know why. Uh, number two, though, this is a sermon that came out of the vault. And the vault for me is my sermon file. It's been in this sermon file since 2003 or four. on a Sunday night service. I preached this message. Now, it didn't originate in my studies. I was given back. Do you all know what a cassette tape is? So I was given a cassette tape probably in 93 or so. This was preached at a camp meeting service in the United Pentecostal Church in Alexandria. And it really moved me. And I, I borrowed from it and, and like I said, 2003 or four. And just tucked it away, but I've been thinking about some things, thinking about people, and I really felt that I could connect this, this sermon. And I've kind of added a little bit to it because, you know, from your own personal experiences, your growth that you make as an individual. Um, and also, I always would want to make sure I gather fresh. It doesn't matter if it's a sermon that's been preached. There's nothing new under the sun. It just needs to be gathered fresh. And it's burned in me, and my pastor always said, it's got to burn in you before it'll burn in someone else. And so here in John chapter number 10, or excuse me, John chapter number 11, is one verse to set the context for us. So I'm going to ask you to stand up with me, please, and we're going to read that one verse of Scripture, and we're going to pray. and We're going to ask the Lord to help us here today. And I appreciate JoJo's prayer that preaching would come easy in the house today. Here it says in John chapter number 11, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And so the sermon that's been hidden in the vault for these many years, almost 20 years now, is entitled Coming Out of the Cave, Coming Out of the Cave. And we're going to ask the Lord to just let the Spirit of God have liberty. I think the cry of the exhortation from both of the psalmists that were on the platform was that the Spirit of God, that we would be res responsive to the Holy Spirit. But you know, it doesn't end in worship. Responding to the work of the Holy Spirit doesn't end when the last song is sung and you've been seated. The work of the Holy Spirit doesn't just, it's not just limited to me. You have to have a heart that is receptive and responsive. I can read the Word of God and I can preach to you the Word of God, but if it doesn't carry the anointing of God, one of the things that we have believed as Spirit-filled believers is that there is a tangible, there's a tangible work of the Holy Spirit among us. And it can come again in singing and worship, but it can also come in preaching and in the receiving of the Word of God. So I'm going to ask that you continue to fan the flame that's, in the in, that's on the inside of you that God would stir up your receptors, your spiritual receptors. I prayed very, very purposely a passage out of 1 Peter 4 this morning. Peter said these words. He said, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Now, I want to ask you to pray that prayer with me even now. Father, we join our faith together, covenant faith, men and women, that we really care for one another. I'm honored to be here. I'm appreciative of the men and women that, uh, Father, uh, Come out every week. Come out every week faithful to the house of God. And, Father, their gifting can agitate gifting inside of me. There are some things, God, that, that I believe I'm working out between you and I, Father. Some things and, 
that I'm working out of my own salvation, Father, that may become evident some today in this service. And, uh, Father, I pray, Lord, though, that it'll go far beyond me. It'll go, Father, to the people. God, this context today, God, I pray that if there's anybody stuck in a cave, today will be the day. Today will be the day when they come out of the cave. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said amen and amen. I want to take you just for a moment. The scripture tells us that that first that which is natural, then that which is spiritual. And so sometimes there is a deep-seated spiritual truth hidden in God's creation. Romans 1 says that the invisible things of God are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. We find all a little bit of intrigue related to caves or caverns. Uh, many of us have probably, whether it be with, have been with your children or on a school trip, I know the teachers many times have been to Blanchard Springs Caverns. It's always intriguing to go and to see that there's another world below the world that you dwell in. And so when we think about a cave, immediately we think about darkness often associated. Now, when you visit Blanchard Springs, obviously it's been illuminated from an outside source, but it's dark in caverns or caves. It's damp oftentimes in caves. It's cold in caves. Sometimes um, creatures, what we call creatures of darkness, abide in caves, such as bats. We also have snakes, like the one I almost stepped on last night, which was not in a cave, but nonetheless, it was still a creature of darkness that came out. And so when you think about that, those are some of the thoughts. So we think about animals at times, uh, bears hibernate in caves, and often lions are, you know, make their holes in their, 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 their dens in caves or holes in the earth. And oftentimes there's a stench in a cave because an animal that has been dwelling there has, has used it as a place to drag some of its prey to where it has consumed part or all of that prey and you might find bones scattered about and the stench of which, uh, you know, is, uh, is noticeable when you enter into the cave and people have lived in caves and I know that there's those far side of uh, the creation order that say that mankind lived for hundreds of thousands of years in caves, and I don't necessarily go there. However, I do know that in the last 6,000 years of recorded human history, people have lived in caves, and sometimes there's a story in cave of triumph and trial and also tragedy. Uh, There's a, a great story that I encourage you to read on your own. I discovered it many years ago. It was related to, oddly enough, out of Ukraine, from World War II. It's a cave there. It's in the middle of a field that was hidden from the Nazis because it didn't look like the typical location. It wasn't around a rocky mountainside. It was just in an open field where they, it was a, um, not necessarily a row crop field, but a wheat field. And there was a, an entrance to a grotto. It became known as the Priest Grotto, but about 50 Jews took refuge in that cave during World War II in order to survive. And some of the men would come out only at night to try to, to get a little bit of food. Uh, women and children broke the, at that time, the, the modern record of not seeing the sun. And the women were there for over, and children were there for over 300 days without ever seeing a morning sunrise or feeling 
fresh air on their faces, and they would only have the illumination of a lamp just to make uh, the meals. And so children were born during that time, and people died, and some died of suicide because the darkness closed in around them. And so we can say that, that part of human history is found in a cave. And when you then turn your attention to the Word of God, you'll find a few references to when some very significant biblical events took place or transpired in the context of a cave. The first of which, oddly enough, comes to us through Abraham's nephew Lot after he has fled from um, Sodom and Gomorrah and his wife has turned back and turned to a pillar of salt. Now, Lot asked God permission to go to one of the other cities of the plain, a small city named Zoar. And while there, though, the scripture says he became afraid to continue to dwell there. But God had said he could dwell there. And I tell you, it always becomes a dangerous thing when you move on your own outside of the commandment of God. And so by fear, he left Zoar, where God said you can dwell. And fear drove him into a cave. Fear drives a lot of people into a cave. And while there is a very, very darkened moment that took place between he and his daughters and incestuous relationship happened and produced two uh, lineages of people. The, the Moabites and the Ammonites came as a result of that darkened night in a cave. We can go a little bit farther and we'll find one that we're more familiar with is Elijah the prophet when he has confronted you know, Ahab and, and on Mount Carmel, and then he's been told by Jezebel that, you know, I'm going to take your life. And you've heard me preach that story many times, how he sat under a juniper tree ready to die, but God came to him and said, I want you to go to Horeb, the mountain of God. And after a 40-day journey and the strength of one meal, he comes to the mount that had been known as, the, as Sinai or Horeb, where the presence of God had met Moses long hundreds of years ago, and there he still found a cave. And I tell you what, it just always reminds me, you can come to church and still be in a cave. That was a mighty man of God that was on the holy mountain of God, yet he still found a cave to wallow in self-pity. David himself spoke about a cave on more than one occasion. David, uh, the, the scripture says, he that took refuge in the cave of Adullam, he was also hiding in a cave when Saul came to relieve himself. Uh, and when and David could have killed him, it's, a, it's a, a story there that's contained in the Word of God. And David chose not to touch the anointing of God. But two of David's psalms that he penned tell uh, that this, this psalm was written from his experience in a cave. So, and so I want to say that very carefully because it's in Psalm 57 and it's all in Psalm 142. But if you'll read them too quickly, it may not be, it's not in verse 1. It's in the introduction to the psalm, but it's actually in the original language. So it is a part of the psalm. And it says there in Psalm 57 that it was when he was in the cave. But especially, and I'm going to allude to it a little bit more later, in Psalm 142, verse number, or the introduction plainly says that this psalm, this prayer, this petition comes to David while he's going through the trauma of being in a cave. And so we also know that not only do uh, righteous people historically and biblically have journeyed in a cave, but there's a promise in the book of Isaiah that when the glory of God comes to shake the world. In Isaiah chapter number 2, there are people that will run from the presence of God. You know, Jonah, that, that fish's belly was nothing more than a cave to him. 
and people will run and hide because they don't want to be they don't want to to be confronted by the presence of God. And Isaiah 2 and 19 said that when the glory of God comes to shake us, we will see the heathen will run to a cave to escape the presence of God. And so again, you can just kind of see throughout not only human history but biblical history that at unique times and moments that people have have taken escape or sought to escape uh, from something that they perceived to be greater than themselves in a cave. And so we were already alluding to Joshua, and prior to Joshua there is, or, or after Joshua there is Judges, is this context, because we see it in the children of Israel, that when the Midianites came and began to raid the people of Israel, this is in the context of when God called Gideon. Gideon himself was hiding, if you will, in a cave. He was in a threshing floor or hiding, threshing wheat in a wine vat, which to a degree was a little bit like a cave. But it says in Judges chapter number 6, verse number 2 there, that when the Midianites came and began to prevail against the people, there that they themselves made them dens which were in the earth, and they hid in caves. They took that as a stronghold because of the, they were afraid that the Midianites were greater in power. And we see that again a little bit later, not in Judges this time, but in 1 Samuel 13 during the days of Saul. The enemy is now the Philistines, but I want you to read that one with me there. It says that the men of Israel saw that they were in a strait. For the people were distressed, and that's what happens to a lot of people. They go to a place that they perceive as a point of stronghold or refuge when they're distressed. The people did hide themselves in caves and in thickets and in rocks and in the high places and even in pits. And so in that context now, I think we can begin to transition from that first which is natural to that which is spiritual. So, Pastor Brown, obviously you didn't come here today to tell me that I need to explore Blanchard Springs or Carlsbad Caverns or something of that nature or look in the hill country of north central Arkansas and find a cave to explore. Obviously, there's a deep-seated principle that's tied to this because it's more than just a, a, a hole in the ground. It's more than just a, a rock. It's, 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 it's a place that oftentimes people have sought refuge in. A stronghold, if you will, uh, something where they could, where they felt like that when the pressures uh, uh, that they were facing began to overwhelm them, it could be a place of retreat. If the, if you felt like you were being overwhelmed by a situation, it was a place that you could run to, and so it can actually be a place. There's no doubt about it. So you don't have to go to Blanchard Springs to go to a cave. No, 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 no. So sometimes the cave is your bedroom. Sometimes the cave is the place when you come home from work and, and, and you feel overwhelmed and there are times and the children are, 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 are kind of agitated and, and for whatever reason you feel a sense where, of being overwhelmed to the heat of the moment and you just kind of against the wishes of others. So you shut the door, you turn the lights out, you bury your head in your pillow and you slide into a cave. There are those that will hide themselves for fear in an office they don't want to face the reality. They become slaves to work. There are those that television in days gone by has been a cave for some where they could escape reality. We live in a generation where media has become a cave. We live in a generation where people will seek to escape 
from certain uh, of, the, of the traumas of life by, by, by following the traumas of others on Facebook. And they'll look at where I'm not talking about it 30 minutes here, 40 minutes here. That's way too long. And almost all of us, I'll say that respectfully, you may have not, but almost all of us have fallen prey to that. But there are those that will look up, and they're five and six hours during the course of a 24-hour period. And they did so, but they didn't know it. They were doing it inadvertently. It was the place where in that moment of time they could escape from some of the things that were taking place around them. But see, a cave can be far more than that. It can be, uh, it can be a drug. It can be something, an addiction of some type. It can be alcohol, some that, that every evening, that in order to escape uh, the, 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 the things that they endured during the day and some of the things that are going on culturally, that people then turn to alcohol as a means. And, and, and they're escaping, if they will. They think it's a hiding place or a refuge for them. But it's actually an addiction. And addictions certainly go more than drug or alcohol. Some people are addicted to a person. And they think that if they can just somehow cling to this person and that person has become a cave to them. We also know that there are sexual addictions that people are running to to escape to food itself or some other type of, of disorder has actually become something where people are running to perhaps out of fear. It can be a feeling or a mood that you revert to. The reality is it can be an attitude. It can be something that you default to. When somebody says the right thing, it triggers something inside of you. And rather than simply respond spiritually to that moment, it triggers an attitude inside you. And you go there because you feel like you can escape the, the fiery dart in your cavern and you can launch fiery, dart, fiery darts from your place of what you believe to be a place of protection. And so there's all kinds of things in our lives that can be caves. And in a cave off Oftentimes, I tell you what, when you're in a cave, I, I, you, you, can, you can have self-justification. You can, you know, if you're in darkness long enough, you begin to acclimate to darkness. And from that place of acclimation, then you begin to justify yourself and justify your attitude. We've got a lot of people live in unforgiveness and bitterness, and what they don't know is they're really living in a cave. And, and so, and so you got to be very careful because I tell you what, the, God, God didn't call you to be a cave dweller. God wants you to come out of the cave, glory to God. And so, you know what, I was, as I was preparing my heart before the Lord in this message here, especially one particular word as I listened to a minister, that original cassette tape that I listened to in the mid-90s or early 90s, thanks to something called YouTube, I found it on, as I say at home, on the YouTube and I was able to go back in a couple of things that he said that just got in my spirit, and one of which was about Moses. And so we know Moses and the call of God that was upon Moses' life and how that he, at 40 years of age, believed that God had called him to deliver Israel. He went down to the good land of Goshen where his brethren were dwelling, and there he found two men at odds with each other, and he sought to, to, to stand up and to be a judge, an arbitrator between the two, and, and so he, he did so, and he, uh, things got a little bit violent, and he had to uh, avenge one, and so one man was dead. The next day, Moses still thinks it's his responsibility. You know the story. The Scripture says, and the people didn't understand that he was to be a deliverer, and they thrust him away. Did you know how long that thrusting away took, how long it lasted? It was 40 years because he left Egypt to, get, look, to dwell in Midian, and this is what got in my spirit, and this is where it caused me to examine my own self a little bit. The Bible says that when he got to the land of Midian, he was content to dwell there. 
And so I, it's easy for me to stand on this platform and to challenge people that have been living in a cave of fear or living in a cave of addiction without looking at my own self. But I tell you what, I've been finding myself living the last couple of years in a cavern of contentment. See, for some, the coronavirus was fear. People were isolated out of There are people living in a cave called coronavirus right now. They've been in the cave for over two years now and haven't seen the light of the sun again. But you know what it did for me? It thrust me onto my farm. I like to be on my farm. I like to see the wind blow across the grass. I like to hear the bellowing of the cows. I like to go out there and work. And what it's caused me is to get a little bit too contented out on the farm because contentment can be a cave. Because God didn't call me. I said it years ago, and I want to say it now publicly. I said, dear God, I don't want that when they are remembering Pastor Brown that, oh, he enjoyed cows or he enjoyed farming. No, I want it to be that somebody said, but when he preached the Word of God, there was an anointing on his life and a conviction in his words that burned in my own spirit. That's what I want. But I'll tell you what, contentment can be my cave. And I've also been, this is my personal testimony for just a moment, I've been stuck for two years between being a patriot and a preacher. I can't decide which is more important because I've been frustrated. You may have not been frustrated by the outcome of the election in 2020, but I was, and I felt like something wasn't right. I wasn't that frustrated when Obama won. I wasn't that frustrated when Bill Clinton won, but that one just set me back. Something wasn't right about it, and I've been torn from that time till now. Am I a preacher? Am I a patriot? Am I a uh, part patriot and part preacher? I don't know. I'm still struggling with that before God, but at the same time, that's I want want to know that God's got something more. I can't allow that. I can't get caught in that. I can't. There's got to be more. And so as I'm calling you out of your cave, I'm coming out of mine. Glory to God. I'm trusting the Lord. So individuals and groups within the church can find themselves losing control. And when they lose control, oftentimes they flee to a place of darkness. And when people feel threatened, and they feel threatened by situations, they often, again, revert to their familiar tactics and places. But what I want you to know is, is that it can be dangerous because you were not designed by the Creator to dwell in a cave. And so, I want to tell you, I'm going to set the context here, and then I went old school this morning. I got me a Bible reader here in the sanctuary with us here today. And so he's going to help me in a few moments. But, I'm going to, but since he was in Joshua, I'm going to tell you about a story in Joshua, if I can, for a moment. And I'm going to lead up to it and then allow Shane to help me for just a little bit. Because it's in the same context that we begin to see a deeper spiritual principle begin to emerge. So later in the text, beyond Joshua chapter 6, where, jo where, where Shane was reading to us, is a story about the people of Gibeon. Now, if you know anything about the conquest of Canaan, there were particular cities that God had pronounced judgment on where there was to be complete annihilation. Complete annihilation is very difficult for us to process. We think about a loving God. We think about a God that, that, uh, that cared so much that he sent his son. It's difficult, but I'll tell you what, you can't, you can't get caught in that because if God said annihilate, they were to annihilate. 
And so, but the children of Israel, once the children of Israel had taken Jericho and the city of Ai, there was a people called Gibeon, a Gibeon that, that had saw what had taken place, and they manipulated Israel because Israel was not to make any covenant with any of the people of the land. But what they did is they put on clothing that looked like they were from afar. They put, uh, they, they put food that it was dry and crusty and they said they came to, to, to Joshua to form a covenant with the people of Israel and they said we're not from right in the near vicinity we're from way off and the people of Israel were manipulated and they formed a covenant but once they formed a covenant Joshua honored the covenant because God's a covenant keeping God and so the people of Gibeon willfully chose to be hewers of wood and drawers of water to serve the children of Israel. Well, once some of the other cities around heard that Gibeon had made covenant with Israel, they were frustrated because they knew what God had did to Jericho, what God had did to the small city of Ai, and they believed it was going to happen to them. So they gathered, five kings gathered armies together, and they went and they began to, uh, to assault Gibeon. Gibeon then sent word to Joshua and said, Joshua, the ones that have committed to be your hewers of wood, the drawers of water, need your help. We need your help. And so Joshua then rose up mightily and led a host over against the armies, those five armies that were attacking Gibeon. And that brings us to the reading of Scripture here in Joshua chapter number 10. We're going to read verses 5 and 10 and verses 16 through 18. And Shane's going to be my reader. pause right there. And so we see, as the pastor has said to you previously, it's been the history of humanity that when you feel overwhelmed, uh, when an opponent that you that you deem to be greater than you, that you will retreat to a cave. And these five kings did the same thing, that as warfare is taking place around them, as they perceive that they're about to lose the war, they, they then themselves take uh, refuge in a cave. They're literally hiding themselves in a cave. But note this, because remember, God never intended for us. Now, I know these weren't the people of God. These were the enemies of God, but we're still learning from them because let's see what took place just a little bit farther. So let's pause right there. And so these men, as battles are taking place around them, and they perceive that they're losing the battle, that the only hope that they have is to find refuge in a cave, they hide themselves in a cave. But when Joshua, the captain of the Lord's host here, discovers, or the leader of God's army, discovers that they're hidden in a cave, he rolls stones in front of the cave. I really only have three points for you today, but point number one is this, is you got to be very careful when you choose to dwell in a cave because because the cave can become a prison. 
Because the place that you used to run to, the place that you became familiar with, the place that you chose to hide can begin, if you're not careful, if you stay too long in that familiar place, there can come a moment where the thing that you could have previously easily walked away from now has a hold of you, and no matter how hard you try, you are unable to escape from the cave. I want to go a little bit farther. If you stay there long enough, someone else gets to decide when or if you are to leave. I want to go a little bit farther. Is that because you thought you were in control? You were in control of that emotion. You were in control of that addiction. You were in control of that person. But all of a sudden, you found yourself in a moment where that thing that you thought you were in control of has taken control of you. I remember what Paul said when he wrote in the book of Romans. He said, know, know you not that whatever you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are now to obey. You will be obeying the thing that you thought that you could control. It leaves you bound to something or someone that you cannot break through. Every time you run to that controlling substance, every time that you flee emotionally to that mood or feeling, you're risking the possibility of the next time that you do so, it will not let you go. The cave that they intended to be a hiding place has now become a prison. And if you hide yourself in a drug, it is going to eventually take possession of you. It must have been a very lonely place for those kings that took refuge in the cave when they discovered that the thing that they had chosen to hide in is now binding them. Those were kings, men that had been destined to sit on a throne, that they're now in a place where there's very little hope, there's very little light, there's no refreshing air, there's just creatures of darkness, and the groans of people just like them that are caught in the darkness of the cave. And the cave can suffocate you, take your breath, cause you to lose your identity, take away from you your destiny. The thing that you've given to over and over again that you've yielded to, that emotion, that feeling, that mood, that attitude, that place of contentment that I thought was just the greatest of blessing. If I'm not careful, if I stay there too long, I'll look up and I'll have no ability to break free from the thing that I thought was a refuge. So the cave became a prison. And I have to believe that there are those under the sound of my voice today that if God was putting this word in my heart that you come to the house of God, you're here this morning, and you're in a prison. But I want you to know today it's not the will of God for you to dwell in the cave. The cave became a prison. My second point is you better get out of the grave while you got a chance. Get out of the, excuse me, the cave while you got a chance. Let's read a little bit farther. And Joshua, the story goes in a little bit deeper. Joshua chapter 10, Shane's going to read in verse number 21 through 27, seven verses of Scripture.
pause as he gets ready to read these last two verses in this context. And I want you to put in remembrance again that these men went to a place that people of that land had gone to for many years to take refuge when the adversary, in this moment Israel is the adversary to these five kings, but when they felt that they were being encroached, they ran or they fled to this place. And from that word, I'm challenging you because if you're honest to evaluate yourself, I know that there's some cave dwellers among us this morning, that there's a feeling, there's an emotion, there's an outside source, there's something that you've been hiding yourself in. And the pastor came along to tell you and warn you that, that that thing, if you're not careful, can become a prison. It can hold you captive and you try to break away. I guarantee you there are drug addicts that, that today they're in bondage to that addiction, but when they first picked it up, they felt like they were in control of it. But even now, when they want to put it down, they can't because that thing now controls them. And so the cave can become a prison. But this next two verses tell us what can take place if you don't get out while you got just a little bit of time. Look what can take place. Point number two, it's not deep theology this morning, but the cave has now become a grave. And so I want you to know today, I want you to hear the, the Spirit of God and hear the Lord in my voice today. The very force that now controls you, if you don't get out soon, it will entomb you. That feeling, that emotion, that drug, that separation, that loss, it can be the fear. When I wrote these notes, I wrote a word called paranoia. Who would have thought in 2004 when I wrote these notes that we would be living on the backside of a paranoia where people now today are afraid to even go outside of their house and it's become a cave? Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And so a hatred, a variance, a depression. A depression can be a cave. Depression is linked to two-thirds of the suicides each year. I want you to know today you can't live in your bedroom. You can't live in your office. You can't live in the past. You can't live in pain. You weren't created to be a cave dweller. You weren't created to live with that offense in your heart, that bitterness of soul. You weren't created by the Creator to live that way. God did not make you a creature of the night. He made you a creature of the day. And I want you to know you better get out of that cave while you still can because if you're not careful, it'll become a prison. And you say, Pastor, well, what gives you such a boldness today to stand on that platform and tell me that I can come out of my grave or come out of my cave? I tell you, number three this morning, point number three, the reason why I'm emboldened in my spirit is because they put Jesus in a cave and they rolled the stone in front of it and he didn't stay in his cave either. And because he came out of his cave, you can come out of yours because the same power that brought him out can bring you out glory to God there's a boldness that should be in the hearts of the church of Jesus Christ because we've got resurrection power in the church when Jesus came out of the cave he had the power to lay his life down and he had the power to take it up again and he's got the power to deliver you from bondage and what I want you to know today as I'm getting ready to head into my closing, I'll say that very respectfully, is that Jesus was delivering people out of their cave even before he was put in one and overcame the cave himself. 
John chapter number 11 is a familiar story. We'll talk about it in closing today. Jesus has been ministering for some time. This is a very critical time. It's towards the last week of what we know as his life. Passion week will soon be upon him. He's ministering when he receives a word from some of his dear friends. His dear friends are from a small town that's only two miles outside of Jerusalem, sitting up on the Mount of Olives, just past the Mount of Olives. I believe it is, somewhere one of those mounts surrounding Jerusalem. It's a town called Bethany. Jesus has gone there many times. See, now just going to a place doesn't mean that's a cave. Sometimes you go to places where there's really refreshing. Are you hearing me today? You've got to know the difference between a place of refreshing and a place that you read to out of fear. Fear and faith are two different things entirely. And so Jesus has gone to Bethany many times because there's a little trio of a family that he really has built a great bond with. There's one named Martha. She's a little bossy. She reminds me of one in my family. There's another that's, Martha, that's her sister Mary, and she just has a, a desire to hear the word of God. She's just that person. She don't care about the dishes. She doesn't care about cleaning and cooking and all that. She just wants to hear the word of God. Bible doesn't tell us about Lazarus very much other than he's a close friend of Jesus. And the scripture tells us that Martha and Mary send word to Jesus that his friend, a friend, is sick. And can you come because they've seen and they've heard about Jesus healing the sick. And when Jesus got that word, for whatever reason, he chose to stay at least two additional days where he was at. And finally, he startles his disciples and he says, hey, we're going back to Judea. We're going to go because our friend Lazarus is sick. or He's asleep and we're going to go and wake him up from his sleep. And when they heard that, they said, well, if he was sick and now he's sleeping and he's resting. How many of you know we live with a carnal mind so much? And God's trying to talk to us on spiritual terms, and all we hear is the natural. And say, well, if he was sick, and now he's better, and he's resting, well, he's doing good. Let's just leave him alone. And finally, Jesus could discern and could tell that they weren't catching what he was saying. He said, our friend Lazarus is dead, and we go to awaken him from his death. And this is how those that were supporting Jesus at times said, good, let's go and die with him. And so they make the journey back, and you read it on your own. It's a powerful story, and every time you read it, you'll catch a little something that you didn't catch previously. But as they're making the way back, the little band of travelers there, word gets out and gets sent back to Bethany that Jesus has finally heard the cry of Martha and is en route. And as he gets en route, Martha gets that word that Jesus is nearing the city, and she doesn't wait for him to enter into the gates of the city. She leaves, she goes out, and she meets him. But remember, Martha can be a little bit bossy, and it's not just bossy with people uh, that she's, uh, you know, that, she, uh, that, that was her family, but she can even be bossy with the Lord, and she comes with a little bit of an attitude to Jesus. She's frustrated because she's hurt. She's wounded. She felt like that if her bro- if Jesus had only came when she sent word that he would be alive because he's now dead, and she said, Lord, if you had just came when I sent word to you, he sa- she said, then my, our brother would not have died, and Jesus looked at her, and he said, Martha, He said, Martha, your brother's going to rise again. 
and Martha is not even, she don't even know how to have a conversation with this man that's in front of her because she said, well, I know, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day, but Jesus said, Martha, you're looking for a day to come. That day's already in front of you because I am the resurrection and the life, and though he were dead, yet shall he live again to the glory of God. And if you, Martha, will believe, how many know we can play a part of a miracle for somebody else? Sometimes we think all we're doing is standing from afar, but I'm telling you what, you could be the one that's creating the habitation for faith to be able to move so that a miracle can be produced. And so he begins to journey back, and now word gets back to little precious Mary. Mary's a little bit more tender, and Jesus can't speak as frankly with her as he can with Martha. Mary gets up. She's been in the house. She's been crying for several days since Lazarus is dead. And the professional mourners that had gone there to comfort her get up with her. They suppose she's going to the tomb, but she's not going to the tomb. She's going to meet Jesus. And she, too, echoes the same words of Martha, and she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And her words move Jesus. Thank God that Jesus is moved. He's compassionate. So don't tell me today he doesn't feel what you're feeling. I know that sometimes you could say, Pastor Brown, nobody knows what I'm feeling right now. There is one who knows. There is who one can identify with you. He knows every time you've gone in that cave. He knows every time you buried your head in that drug. And when I use the term drug, I'm not just talking about illegal drugs because you can pick up a lot of legal drugs that will send you into a cave just as quickly as a drug you can buy off of the street. And I want you to know today that's not the will of God. You're not a cave dweller, and you ought not be a drug addict because he that the sun sets free can be free indeed, glory to God. And so the word gets back to Mary, and Mary's come and she again falls at the feet of Jesus. Jesus is moved. The Bible even says that he weeps. And then the whole people group make their journey to the burial chambers there outside of Bethany. And when they get there, Jesus tells them to do something. He, he begins to pray. He begins to lift up his eyes toward heaven. And he begins to tell them, I need you to move away the stone. And Martha then says, she begins to think again with her carnal mind. And she says, Lord, at this time right now, he's been dead not one day, not two days, not three days, but four complete days. Even the Sadducees believe that his, or the Pharisees believe his spirit has left this body and his bodies begin to rot. There's going to be a great stench. And Jesus looked at her and he said, Martha, didn't I tell you that if you will believe, you will see the glory of God. And Martha then, I have to believe, began to bear down in faith and trusting God that what God promised he would do. And Jesus lifted his eyes toward heaven and he said, Lord, I thank you that you have heard me, but I don't pray it for my sake, God. And he said, and I don't even pray it for your sake because you always hear me. But I pray it so that the people around me can hear and know that I'm in fellowship with you. And when Jesus concluded his prayer, even without saying amen and humming and singing kumbaya, he then said with a loud voice,
voice as the stone had been rolled away. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And out of the grave and out of the cave came a man that was bound hand and foot in grave clothes. Let me tell you today, you got to have a picture image of this. He's in darkness. He can't see. He had no ability to deliver himself out of the cave. But the voice that was heard in the Genesis calling nothing into something is echoing through the death chamber for the first time. And out of that grave comes a man that can't walk, can't put a foot in front of him, can't feel the wall, he can't see the light, but he can hear the word off the lips of the Son of God. And it's enough to cause him to get up off the cold hard slab and make his way out of the mouth of the cave. And that's why I know today that if God could raise Lazarus out of his eternal death, don't tell me he can't deliver you from that addiction. Don't you tell me that he can't free you from that bondage. Don't tell me you have to live with hatred in your heart or variance in your soul or you have to live a life of discontentment because you're sad or you live in self-pity or you wallow as a victim all your life. It's time to come out of the cave. God never intended for you to be a cave dweller. He's called you to dwell in the light. Glory to God. God calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Lazarus, come forth. I remember someone said years ago when preachers used to preach, they said, why did he call him by name? Because if he hadn't called him by name, every man, woman that had ever been placed in the earth would have came out of the grave because he was the resurrection and the life. Then I heard another preacher, when folks used to preach like they used to in the old way, said, I'll tell you, he said that was good, but he said, I'll go one better than that. When God has a word for you, he said, I wanted you to know that there were a lot of Lazarus in the grave, but God said, not you, not you, not you, Lazarus. But this Lazarus is the one that I'm looking for. So I want you to know today, if you can just have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church, it's time for you to come out of the cave. It's time for you to be delivered from that oppression, that depression, that mindset. How about that alcohol? Do you want that written on your tombstone? Here lies so-and-so. He succumbed and dwelt in a cavern of alcohol. And that was his testimony. Or do you want your testimony to be? This brother was in a cave. He could not deliver himself. But on a fateful day, a voice was heard that called him out of the grave, called him out of the cave, and changed his life now and forever. Glory to God. Daryl's joined me on the platform. I'm getting ready to close today in Jesus' name. I thank God today the Lord sent me here with a word that had been hidden in the vault, hidden in the sermon vault of Pastor Brown for 20-something years. I've meditated on it. I prayed. I walked through the field yesterday at 102 degrees, praying and asking God, saying, God, I want the anointing of God. I can study. I can read. I can meditate. I can gather. I can watch. But it will travail nothing. It will produce zero fruit if the anointing of God's not present. 
I can preach like an evangelist. I can preach like a pastor. I can preach with a handheld microphone. I can preach with a, a cordless microphone or a head uh, on my head only. It matters. Not what matters is the anointing. We have to have the anointing of God to, in order for people to come out of the cave. But in my spirit, I believed that if I would do my part, if I'm doing my part today's pastor, what are you doing? I'm removing the stone. I'm just, you know, sometimes you got to remove the things that impede people's access to God. And I wanted today you to be able to hear his voice. Because if you hear his voice, you can be free from wherever you've taken refuge. Into a place or a feeling or an emotion that God never intended you to run to. God wants you to run to him. He didn't say, run to me because there's a cave. He said, run to me, I'm a rock that's higher than you are. Come on, somebody. You know, as I close the message here today, I can't preach this message without thinking about David. I have to, I have to take you here in, clu- in conclusion. Even though I've kind of journeyed, and you know, with pre- old school preachers preach the whole Bible on a good Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. I've been close today. And that's all right. But David, the reason why I just draw attention and affection to David, because he was the sweet psalmist of Israel, and he knew how to worship God. But I tell you what, there were some feelings of loneliness that he fought at times. I mean, no loneliness can be a cave. Come on. You don't feel like you have friends. You're isolated, introverted. It's been mentioned earlier. That's a cave. God wants you out of the cave today. I just believe that. The sermon was entitled, Come Out of the Cave. But, you know, you have to play a part in this, church family. When you hear his voice, I love that with, with, with Lazarus because Lazarus couldn't feel his way. His hands were bound. Lazarus couldn't just walk like I'm walking. His feet were bound. Lazarus couldn't even see the light. His face was covered. But he could hear. Can you, that's why I said your heart's got to be prepared to hear. You've got to hear his voice and my voice. I'm not here to call you out of the cave. He is calling you out of the cave. It's not the will of God for you to live bound to that destructive behavior. You know what? Anger can be a cave. It can be the thing that you check into, that you just break away. You feel like the odds are going against you. And always you preserved yourself when you just got mad because then people fled from you and left you alone. And you looked up and you were in the cave all by yourself. I could go on and on. There's so many feelings, emotions, bondages that the, the, that the human person deals with. We deal with it. But I thank God today. The Spirit of God is sending us a word from the Lord. I believe this is a word from the Lord to you today. It's time to come out of the cave. In Psalm 142, David has prayed a prayer. It's only seven verses. So I want to read it in closing as I get ready to give an invitation. It's a prayer that he prays when he's in the cave. Because in a moment, I'm going to open the altar today, and I'm going to... By saying open the altar, I'm not going to, I'll give a very specific altar call, but I'll tell you what, it, sometimes you just need a general moment where just people say, I, I got to get there. 
You're like Lazarus, and you say, I got to get there. I, don't, I, I just got to get there. I, I hear him calling me. I hear him calling me. I just got to get there. David said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. Do you cry unto God with your voice? If you do, I want you to know he hears you. Do you open your mouth to the Lord, and do you make your supplication known? I want to encourage you. If you're not, you need to. Come on now, y'all hear me today. You got to, we tell you, open your mouth. David said, I cried unto the Lord. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. How many know sometimes you just got to get raw with God? You just got to get honest with God. You got to, because I'm telling you, he already knows. He already knows every thought, every imagination. He knows whether you're taking that prescription drug or that illegal drug. He knows whether you are running to that feeling, to that pornography, to the Facebook, whatever. He knows already. Pour your complaint out to God. David said, when my spirit was overwhelmed within me. That's where you're at. Then thou knewest my path. God knows. He knows. The way wherein I have walked this is how you feel. This is why you took refuge there. You felt like somebody was laying a snare for you. You looked on your right hand, and behold, but there was no man that would know me. That's the place of loneliness. Remember, the cave can be lonely. Very few times are you in that cave with others. Typically, you're in that cave by yourself. There was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me, and no man cared for my soul. I cried unto the Lord. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, but God, you are my refuge, and you're my portion in the land of the living. So David is writing a psalm from an emotion and a feeling that he is, that he is, he is struggling with while he's in a cave. But he knows that God doesn't intend for him to live in the cave. That God intends for him to live in the land of the, are y'all here today? I cried unto thee, O God. I said, you're my refuge and my portion, my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they're stronger than I. And I love verse 7. Listen to it as we close. Bring my soul out of prison. I think it's fair to say, bring my soul out of the cave. That I can praise your name. The righteous are going to compass me about, and you shall deal bountifully with me. David now has moved from a place of despair to a place of hope. And that's what I want for you today. Are y'all with me today? I feel the spirit of the Lord in this house today. It goes beyond my ability to know what you're dealing with. It goes beyond my ability to relate to everything about you. I can't. I wish I could. I wish, you could. I wish I could say, hey, if you'll just make 17 counseling appointments with me, that at the end of that 17th one, I would relate to everything you've been through and somehow be able to bring you out of the cave. I cannot do that. But I can roll the stone away. So that you can hear his voice. And if you hear his voice today, I'm telling you, if you'll get in his presence, 
If you'll get in his presence, I'm telling you, you can come out of that cave, glory to God. You can come out of that cave. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed for just a few moments. And then I'll see what happens on the very specific altar call. But I'm not letting this moment go without coming to this altar today. I just am not. I'm, I, I, know, I don't know what time it is. I didn't bring my phone up here today. I didn't want anything to distract me or hinder me from sharing what God has put on my heart today. You're here today in this house. And I tell you what, if ever there was a message that struck a chord with you, today was that day. Today was that day. You say, Pastor, if you only knew, if you only knew how I felt. If you only knew the things that come against my soul. If you only knew, Pastor, the times I've just, I've ran to that bedroom and hid and I wanted to die. If you only knew when I went out in the woods or I went out in the shop or I stayed late at the office or I worked because people thought, man, he's just working hard. No, I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid to deal with things. I was afraid of what God was calling me to. I was afraid of certain things that were happening around me, and I chose this as a point of refuge. Man, if Pastor, if there was ever a day when you were just you were you were speaking to me, today's that day. If if that's you today, please do me the honor of being able to pray with you by quickly slipping your hand up today in this house. If there's anyone. Today it says, Pastor, that you're talking to me. I see a hand over there. Thank you. Another today, several hands. Thank you. Thank you today in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty today. Come on, somebody. What about today if you're here today and you say, Pastor, and you're talking about coming to Jesus? It's one thing to believe in Jesus, believing that he lived, believe that you read about him in the Bible. But do you believe on him? Do you trust in him today? There could be somebody under the sound of my voice on a Sunday morning, just a calm Sunday morning. We didn't have to douse you with fire or douse you uh, with water during worship. It's not like people were running and jumping and leaping over the pews. It was actually kind of just a, a dull Sunday morning. But you could be here today not knowing Jesus as your Savior. And you need me to pray with you today. I'll pray with you today. Today is your day. Did you hear me today? Today is your day. I'm asking you. Visitor, visitor, know. Know this. I am talking to you. I'm talking to you today. It was a setup. God brought you here to hear this word. Are you here today? Isn't it time for you to make a decision for Jesus isn't it time for you to live your life and say, God, I want to, I've got to get this sin debt, this burden of sin off of me. Do you have the peace of heaven? Do you have a hope of heaven? I think people hide because they're afraid to die. I didn't even go there, but I'll go there now. People hide in a cave because they're afraid to step into eternity. But you know what? You can make that right today. He's calling you. Can you hear him? Lazarus, he's talking to you. Lazarus, he's talking to you. Today is your day. Is there anyone, anyone? Our church is being so respectful. They want you. This is your time. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, would you pray with me 
that I would make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Pastor, would you pray with me today? In the name of Jesus, I will raise your hand if that's you today. Quickly, quickly, is there anyone today? I'm waiting. I'm waiting today. Spirit of God, help us. Is there anyone today? I'm praying. Christians, are you praying for me? Are you Martha today? I'm asking you to believe. I'm asking you to believe. I'm asking you to believe. I want to ask everyone to stand with me today, and we're going to close in prayer, but we're going to do something. I am not going to miss this moment. I'm going to ask as many as you will. Say, Pastor, I didn't raise my hand. Why do you want me to come down? I want you to come down to the altar because we're going to pray this prayer of David audibly, verbally, publicly. But I want to ask because there was about eight or ten people that raised their hand. And I, I, I don't want them to necessarily feel like I have, I have just isolated them. Or this, this, some, some things are very private to people. Are you hearing me today? Very, very private. But if, 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 if kind of the multitude will come down, then that group that raised their hand scattered from left to right, somebody in every section raised their hand that said, I'm in a cave. Well, then they'll, they'll, they'll just be kind of numbered among you. They'll just be among us here. And then we'll pray a prayer closing today, but we're going to pray this in faith. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, somebody have the courage first to step out. Come to the front. Can you hear him calling Lazarus? Can you hear him calling Lazarus? Can you hear him calling Lazarus? Come forth. Come forth. I wonder, how far did Lazarus walk that day? How far was it? Walking through perhaps littered bones, osseries there on the floor of the cavern in which they had placed him. Maybe he wasn't the only one that had recently been placed in that cave that was a grave. But you know what? When he calls you, you'll go forth, won't you? You will. You will. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. His voice is what brought the world into existence, and he can call you out of your cave. Come on, somebody. Amen. Y'all feel that today? I feel the Lord today. I want you to pray with me in Jesus. I want to ask you right where you're at just to begin to pray. Spirit of God, we just pray. I just want to begin. We're going to pray. Church family, would you just begin to pray? You say, Pastor, I did raise my hand, but now I'm asking you like Martha. I'm asking you, Martha, will you believe? Jesus said, didn't I say unto you that if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? If you would believe, you'd see the glory of God. Some under the sound of my voice have been in a cave of fear because of coronavirus. They go out in public, but they're still afraid. But today we're going to believe for that, that fear to be broken in the name of Jesus. Some have been afraid of dealing with things, confronting others, and so they retreat rather than deal with the thing that they need to deal with. God, today in the name of Jesus, I remind the people that a cave can become a prison and a prison can become a grave. But I have confidence today because Jesus came out of his cave, and he's calling you out of yours, glory to God. I want to ask you, as you're praying, those of you that are the Marthas among us, your faith is just being stirred up right now. 
I want you to just get just stirred in your spirit and say, God, I want you to deliver those that raise their hand. God, deliver them from the darkness. Deliver them from the bondage. They, they, they're, they're losing air. They're suffocating. There's no, the airflow is limited. Their skin is turning pale because they haven't seen the light of day. They're, they're hidden. No one even sometimes knows why they go there, why they retreat. Why are you so long in that place? It's because of fear, anxiety. Anxiety, worry that they that they found themselves in a cave, overwhelmed by the enemy. But today is the day, Lazarus, come forth. I hear his voice uh, speaking to you today, and we join our faith in agreement today. And so now, church family, I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer with me. This prayer, listen to this, is a psalm. It's a psalm that we just read a moment ago. We won't read it all, but I'm going to pray it, and I want to ask you to pray it collectively. You've got to put these words on your lips today. We were exhorted by the man of God earlier that you've got to open your mouth. And David said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice or with my mouth. He said, I poured out my complaint before the Lord. I cried unto God. And here's what he said that I, he, I said. Here's what he said. So you say this with me. You say it audibly. He said these words. It's verse 5, Lori, on the screen if you want to put it, of Psalm 42. He said, Lord, you're my refuge. Somebody needs to say that. You're my refuge, not the thing that I've ran to, not the addiction, not the bondage, not my bedroom, not Facebook, and not another person. God, you're my refuge. Say it. And you're my portion. Listen, you're my portion. Say it loud. In the land of the living. God, you're calling me out of the cave, God. Back to the land of the living. Back to the land of the light. Back to the land of your favor. Glory to God. The psalmist then said these words. Listen, say it with me. Attend unto my cry. God, hear my voice today. I was brought low. I was brought, I acknowledge it today. Say, I was brought low, but today you're lifting me up in Jesus' name. And say this with me, the final verse. It's verse number 7 today. Bring my soul out of prison. Glory to God. Bring me out of the grave. Bring me out of the cave. Bring me out of the bondage. Bring me out of the addiction. Bring me out of the attitude. Bring me out of the place of contentment where I've hidden from my responsibilities, where I've hidden from the greater depths of my calling. Bring me out, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, so that I can serve you in the land of the living. Did you know the Bible tells us later that last many people came to Jesus because of Lazarus because people heard that he had been in a cave and Jesus called him out of the cave and I want you to know you can have a living legacy and a living testimony that's going to affect others when they see how you have been radically changed by the glory of God so father today Today, Lord, come on now, we're praying in closing. The Bible's closed. I'll not go there. I'm concluding. My part's going to be finished. God, today I've done everything I know to do. God, I preach with all my heart. I preach with all the fervor that you put inside my spirit. I fanned the flame on this message, God. It burned in me before it burned in their ears. And God, today I believe that men and women and young adults have come out of the cave in Jesus' name. They've come out of the cave. The Spirit of God has called them out of the cave, called them out of the place of darkness and death, out of a place of dampness and stench, and to a place of victory and peace 
And great. Come on, I just want to ask you to celebrate. Celebrate by faith. So on your own, on your own, God would just celebrate. Say, God, I want to thank you. We came in praising. Let's go out praising. Come on, we came in. I just thank God I'm not dwelling in the cave. I thank God I'm not living there. I'm not dwelling there. It's no longer my refuge. It's no longer the place that I'm running to. God, I'm going to run to you. Rather than run to the cave, I'm running to the rock. Rather than hiding myself, Father, I'm going to hide myself in thee, O God, in the name of Jesus. Let me be shrouded by the, the presence of God rather than the presence of darkness, Lord, in Jesus' name. You're my refuge, you're my shield, you're my buckler, God, in the name of Jesus. And you never intended me to live in darkness, but to live in the light. I will walk in the light because you're in the light, Lord. And I will live in the land of the living rather than in the land of death and darkness, God. Now be who you've called me to be and let the anointing of God and let our testimony, let somebody's testimony from this service affect the lives of other people, God. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's children said, and if you will today, put your hands together, if you will, for the Lord, that we're trusting God. We're trusting God. We're trusting God. The pastor's side of me would not call the people that raised their hand out just in lo- alone. The pastor's side of me knows that sometimes things are just extremely private. And you became the Marthas that rolled the, rolled the stone away and believed God. But we're going to trust that Lazarus heard that voice today. Come on, somebody. Lazarus heard that voice. He said, take away. I love what Jesus said. Because you know what? He still had those clothes on and his face. He said, loose him and let him go. And I want you to go today with the joy of the Lord in your life. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for being here. You gotta, the way out is, is, is to hug somebody. That's the way out today in Jesus' name. Now, let me remind you, now there's a ladies' Bible study at 10 a.m. tomorrow, correct? There's a men's Bible study at 6.30 or 6? 6.30 on Tuesday night. And then daughters of the other side will be here with us on Wednesday, on Wednesday. So, and that meal is at 5.30, 5.30. So come if you can. God bless you today.